Down the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem that day. The soldiers tried to clear the narrow street, but the crowd pressed in to see a man condemned to die on Calvary. He was bleeding from a beating. There were stripes upon his back, and he wore a crown of thorns upon his head. And he bore with every step the scorn of those who cried out for his death. Down the Via Della Rosa, called the Way of Suffering. Like a lamb came the Messiah, Christ the King. But he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me. Down the Via Della Rosa, all the way to Calvary. The blood that would cleanse the souls of all men made its way to the heart of Jerusalem. Down the Via Della Rosa called the way of suffering like a lamb came the Messiah Christ the King but he chose to walk that road out of his love for you and me down the Via Della Rosa all the way to Calvary. All right, ladies.
Praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and take our Bibles. Turn to Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations chapter 5. Lamentations. Let's just go ahead and read chapter 5 tonight. We'll just... Run through that. It's not very long. <clears throat> won't take us long at all. Lamentations chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And Jeremiah the prophet, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Remember, O Lord, what is come upon us. Consider and behold our reproach. Our inheritance is turned to strangers, our homes to aliens. We are orphans and fatherless. Our mothers are as widows. We have drunken out our water from money, uh, for money. Our wood is sold unto us. Our necks are under persecution. We labor and have no rest. We have given the hand to the Egyptians and to the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers have sinned and are not. And we have borne their iniquities. Servants had ruled over us. There is none that doth deliver us out of their hand. We get our bread with the peril of our lives because of the sword of the wilderness. 
Our skin was black like an oven because of the terrible famine. They ravished the women in Zion and the maids in the cities of Judah. Princes are hanged up by their hand. The faces of elders were not honored. They took the young men to grind and the children fell under the wood. The elders have ceased from the gate, the young men from their music. The joy of our heart has ceased. Our dance has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe unto us that we have sinned. For this our heart is faint. For these things our eyes are dim. Because of the mountain of Zion, which is desolate, the foxes walk upon it. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Wherefore dost thou forget us forever and forsake us so long time? Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old. But thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. Again, Jeremiah here, the context of the passage is pretty clear, I think. We're dealing with a nation who has rejected God and has turned their back on the Word of God. And Jeremiah himself ultimately is a... We're going to read and find out through the Word of God that he's one of the great prophets of all time. His ministry was during the reign of Josiah in 628 B.C. At least that's when it began. Both he and Josiah were pretty young, and it's possible that they were even friends. Josiah was the last king to lead the nation in revival. And of course, Josiah, when he took over, was only eight years of age. And um, the youngest king, obviously, to rule on the throne of David. But he was killed in battle later on in life. And Jeremiah, on the other hand, continued to minister. There were four kings that followed and that ultimately would lead the nation downhill even further. We had Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. These kings were not good kings. They were bad kings. They didn't do anything to revive the nation. They didn't do anything to restore again the greatness of the nation. Instead, they continued to spiral downhill and to lead their nation to doom. Jeremiah tries over and over and over again to detour the crash course that his nation is on. He does everything he possibly can think of. He preaches and proclaims the word of God. He stands and warns them against the wrath of God and the ensuing dangers that lie ahead. But to no avail. The people of God have hardened their heart. The nation as a whole has turned their backs. And now as a result, they find themselves in captivity. Jeremiah closes the book of Lamentations. And as he does so, he considers his nation's plight. And as he thinks about the awful direction they're headed and the consequences they will face and continue to face, he finds himself praying and begging to God to turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, as we and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old, he says. Renew our days as of old. I thought of today, as a, uh, this afternoon, I was thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I thought to myself, as much as we need and must reflect on the resurrection of Christ, I got to thinking there are some things that need resurrected in our day as well. And I thought about this passage and I thought about Jeremiah and his broken heart for the people of God and his broken heart for the house of God and the, and the, and the nation of God. 
And I thought how he said, renew our days as of old. Do something in our nation. Do something in our lives. Restore to us again the greatness of our nation. and The wonderful glory that we once knew. I, like yourself, I'm sure, have often longed for the days of old. Not the days of outhouses or fetching water from a well. That's not the kind of days of old I'm talking about. You know, not the days of crossing the Atlantic by ship or traveling by horse and buggy. Now, you can have that. Not the days of hot mustard patches or castor oil. Now, maybe some of that would do us some good today. I'm not sure. And not the days of no electricity or air conditioning. I kind of like it. But I do long for the days of old, as I'm sure you do at times. You know, I've heard of great revivals, tremendous public meetings that were held. I've heard of great sermons that brought such conviction on men and women that they literally held on to the pew or held on to poles in the tents to keep from falling into hell itself. I long for the days of that old-time religion. I mean, that old-time fundamentalism and that old-time preaching and praying and praising God. God help us in our present state of this apathetical, lackadaisical, lethargical Christianity that seems to be so satisfied with mediocrity today. What a state of affairs we find ourselves in today. Something, isn't it? You know, I, I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm not trying to be uh, mean-spirited. But it seems a little bit funny to me tonight that there's probably a number of churches, including Baptist churches, that canceled services this evening because it's Easter. But it's kind of funny to me that Easter has to do with God's resurrection. It seems like, if anything, we'd want to honor God by being in God's house, not out of God's house. Celebrate the resurrection by being in our place, not outside our place. Now, again, I'm not being critical, and I, I don't know what churches have and haven't. I don't know. But listen, we're going to have services on Easter evening, just like we do every Sunday, because what better day to be in God's house than the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Christ? I'm sure Jeremiah was brokenhearted as he observed the sin abounding in the lives of the people. As he noted the, the shipwrecking of his nation. He had to have longed for God's people to once again embrace God. To once again receive Him as the object of their faith and trust. As Jeremiah uttered his historic statement and said, Renew our days as of old. I believe he was thinking about a few things in particular. I got to imagine that he was reminded of those years gone by when God had showed himself mighty on behalf of the children of Israel. I believe he was thinking about a few things. Tonight I want to share just a couple of those thoughts. I believe, first of all, that he was thinking about the days of great works. And then second and last, we're just going to consider the idea, and I believe he thought about this, the days of great worship. And so let's consider those two things as well. And as we pray to our God and say, renew our days as of old, God knows we need some reviving today. God knows that we need to see those kind of days again. And they weren't all good in the past. There were still problems in the churches and there were still needs that needed met. But may I say that there are times as we read of old and we learn of the past that we say we would like to grasp hold of that and read 
revive that again in our services and in our lives, our homes and our families, and in our nation again. So let's take just a few moments and consider some of the things that maybe, possibly, Jeremiah was thinking when he said, renew our days as of old. Father, we come to you. Bless us in these next few minutes. May our hearts be stirred and encouraged. Be glorified, we pray, in everything that will be said and done. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Take your Bible, look if you would at Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. The days of great works. The days of great works. Joshua chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Israel's history was marked by great miracles and the manifold blessing of God. And in this particular passage, we are reminded again of it. Notice in Joshua chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. Before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in her earth beneath. In this particular passage, the spies now are being spoken to by Rahab. Rahab had heard, along with the people there in Jericho, how God miraculously delivered the Israelites out of the hands of the Egyptians. I mean, they, they had heard how they had walked out of Egypt I mean, with the spoils of the land, mind you. And then they find themselves facing a Red Sea and the enemy behind them. But it did not matter because God had a plan and He had a purpose. And there He allowed Moses to raise that rod and that Red Sea parted. And the Bible tells us that the people of God walked across on dry ground. What a miraculous, mighty work that God did in the midst of the people of God. And there as they crossed over, they, they certainly made their way through that sea and found themselves on the other side. And as they took a look back, they saw the armies of Egypt following them behind. And yet God allowed the waters to rescind again. And there the armies of Egypt perished. Rahab says, we heard about it. We've been keeping an eye on you. We, you've been on our radar. There's no way we could possibly forget about what's been going on because God has made it very clear to all of us by His mighty acts and works. This God you serve is a mighty God. This God you serve is the great God of all heaven and earth. This God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. She says, we can't stand against you. Even Og and, 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 and the other Amorite king, those kings went down in flames. A little nation that had very few weapons, a nation that just simply had very few uh, um, uh, uh, men of war, found themselves defeating men of war. This was none other than your God. Boy, God did mighty works in those days. You know, those are the great days, I believe, that Jeremiah longed for again. 
He longed to see God do it again. To preserve them in the midst of their plight. To provide and protect them like He had done so many other times before. To once again deliver them out of the hand of their enemies. God, we need that today. We need that today. We see the the world crashing down upon us and consuming us. And we're saturated with worldliness. We're seeing the gods of this, the God of this world overtaking the many believers even at times and finding them, you know, out in the world, floundering about without purpose and without a cause. Boy, we need to see God do it again. We need to see God do some mighty works. We're watching God and we're wanting to see God do some mighty works even in our own ministry, in our church, with our building and We want God to do something great there. And let me tell you something. Don't kid yourself. The world is watching. And and this woman ultimately ends up, mind you, in the line of David, King David. She becomes, ultimately from her comes forth the Messiah down the road. Do you realize what God did? You say, well, the city went down in flames. It did, but because of the testimony of God's people and the greatness of God in their life and their nation, a woman was saved. And as a result of that woman and her family being saved, we see Christ come forth. I believe we need to pray like Jeremiah did, renew our days as of old. Don't you just get a little bit weary with not seeing God do the great things He used to do? May I say it's not God's fault? I'd say He's still the same God He was back in the day when He delivered Israel out of Egypt's hands. He's still the same God that there was back in the day of Moses. There on that mount when the burning bush was burning and God was speaking to him. This is still the same God. The same God that sent an angel in and destroyed 185,000 Assyrians. This great God is able to do these things today. What is wrong with us? Why is this the case? Oh God, renew our days as of old. We're living in a day when the church as a whole has no power. In 2 Timothy, the apostle warns Timothy and the believers there, To be very careful. Notice what he says in 2 Timothy 3.5. We can appear to be doing all the right things and doing it in our own self and flesh. He warns Timothy and says, listen, you can have all the lingo and you can wear the name and Yet you can still be void of the Holy Spirit and His power. 2 Timothy 3.5 Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. We're entering into a season where we're going to be going out soul and we have five, five leaders, if you will, <clears throat> over five groups in our church as we plan for our spring promotion. And realistically, and most probably, probably 10 to 20% of the people at Community Baptist Temple will be responsible for about 80 to 90% of what takes place. That's sad, friend. If that's how it ends up, that'll be sad. 
We wonder why God doesn't do great things. God wants His people to gather around and to support and get behind the things that matter to Him most. And may I say that it's not just simply going to a service on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night that matters most to God. It's our heart toward Him and our heart toward the people that are lost without Christ. He did not save us so that He could bless us. He saved us so that we could be a blessing to the world. Jesus didn't come here to just save you. He came here to save the world. He didn't come here just to save your family. He came here to save every single person on this earth. Red, yellow, black, and white, they are precious in His sight. And may I say, if we want God to do something great in our church and in the midst today, in the day and age in which we live, it is not going to happen simply because we put a program together and we mechanically step out like robots and do the work of God. It's not going to work. We need the power of God, and that means we're going to have to get on our knees and pray. That means there's going to have to be more than three or four men that show up at the prayer meeting at 6.30 on Saturday nights. That means we've got to get serious about the things of God. Jeremiah looked around him and he said, Oh God, renew. Oh God, renew our days as of old. But he also knew that the people that he faced every day of his life determined whether or not those days would be seen again. Jeremiah couldn't do it on his own. And may I say, neither can you. Neither can I. The people of God, all of us together in this place, must make Christ first and make His priority preeminent. Renew our days as of old. We live in a generation so often that plays church today. Our Christianity is predominantly shallow. And as we've said a number of times through other series that we've preached, our Christianity doesn't run much deeper than the very carpet we walk on every day we come into church. The strength of the tree is found in the root. And the strength of the church is no different. Our roots are shallow indeed so often as a church. I'm not just talking about community baptism. I'm talking about the church that we see in America today. And although we may seem or feel in our hearts that we're doing a pretty good job, may I say, when we compare ourselves to the early church and the effort that was being put forth by every single believer, even amidst the, uh, the horrible, heinous crime of persecution, I have to say that we pale in comparison, at least from my perspective. I know I do. If we want truly to see those great works of old, then we have to work the things of God. Prayer is essential. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, this morning I received a text from one of our, from an evangelist that was here not too awfully long ago, uh, Brother Ted Houston. Brother Houston preached for us, and it's been probably a year or so ago now. Brother Houston has cancer, and he's had it for some time, uh, for at least the last, what, brother, three years maybe? Kavanaugh, where you at? What do you think, three years? He's sleeping back there. 
about three years, don't you think? He texted me this morning. He said, Brother, I need the fervent prayer of God's people in the church because the cancer is just raging now. I wonder, let me ask you something. How fervently do you think he prays every day for that? How important is that to him? I mean, do you think he spends two minutes a day praying? Oh, just about that now. I'm not talking about everything else. Just, you think he spends maybe two minutes a day praying for his health? Maybe five minutes? Some would say, well, I think he'd spend at least 10 minutes. You think maybe he spends 15, 20? I don't know, maybe he spends a half hour. I don't know. How long would you spend if you had cancer that was in your body like that? How much would you pray for yourself? How important would it be to you that you were healed? Would it be five minutes of prayer importance? Or would you spend maybe 20 or 30 just on that alone? Or maybe an hour? Or maybe set it up to where you're praying three times a day? Or maybe you might even be fasting and praying. We're not really serious about the world going to hell, are we? Let's be honest, none of us are. We play church so often, don't we? I mean, if it was life or death to us, I think we'd spend more than our normal 10, 15, 20 minutes of prayer a day. And you know, sadly enough, in most cases, very few church members are even consistent at that. And yet we want, to, we want God to do something great. We want God to put us on a hill. We want God to help us reach a city. We want God to help us turn a nation around. God help us to get serious about the things of God. To seriously be burdened about it like Jeremiah the prophet was. To shed tears over it. To beg God for revival. To ask Him to deliver the people that are bound by sin. Not only do I think that he longed for the days of great works, I think he longed for the days of great worship. Look, if you will, in 1 Kings chapter 8. When's the last time you thought your life could end? You thought you had cancer. Or you thought you were going to go to war. Or you thought you were going to face death. I mean, when's the last time? And just, how does your prayer life compare to that? You say, well, I just wonder. And then I look at my life and I think about how often I prayed when I was under those situations. And I think, do I pray for lost people like I prayed for myself and my family when I thought I had cancer? When I was looking face-to-face with war and possibly never seeing my firstborn son? Do I care about them? Do I care about God? Do I care about the work of God the way I cared about me and my family? You know what the resounding answer is? Not even close. I'll be honest, not even close. And I have to look at myself and say, 
maybe I need to beg God once again to renew our days as of old. And I need to get back to the prayer life I need to have. I need to get started on what I need to do for reaching the souls of lost men and making an impact and a difference in the culture and the society I live instead of being so focused and centered on selfishness and self. I've got to think about the needs of others more. And then maybe God will renew our days as of old. The days of great worship. First Kings chapter 8. You say, why would you preach a message like this tonight on Easter? Because I knew there wouldn't be a whole lot of people here, and the ones that were here needed this, and we can take it. Amen. We can take this. Because you know what? You're the ones that's going to do the work. If you're here on an Easter Sunday evening, you're the ones that's plugged in deep. You're, you're, you're in it for the long haul. And let's, let's get working on it. The days of great worship, 1 Kings 8, verse 1. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chiefs of the fathers and of the children of Israel, and the king Solomon in Jericho, excuse me, <laughs> Jerusalem. That's not good, Jericho. They're gone. But anyway, that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king Solomon, unto king Solomon at the feast of the mouth. <laughs> month, wow. A little, little. The month Ethanim, which is the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. And they brought up the ark of the Lord in the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. Even those did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be told for numbered nor numbered for multitude. The house of God has been in building for seven years. And now it's completed. I mean, God's going to have an actual house. No longer will He remain in a tabernacle. And so now we're going to bring up the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to bring it and place it in its permanent dwelling place. And of course, that represents the presence of God. And so Solomon and the people of God dedicated unto the Lord this new building, this temple. And I believe as the prophet Jeremiah begins to reflect and as he cries out to God, renew our days as of old, he thinks about the times back in that tabernacle. He remembers how God's Spirit manifested itself, how the Holy Ghost showed up and how the mountain shook. And I believe he longed for the days of packed services again. I mean, when the temple of God and the house of God were filled to capacity where the people of God came with bells on their toes saying we're ready for worship we want to serve Jesus we want to hear the word of God pack services boy if there's one thing that will encourage our speaker come Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week it's a packed house Well, we need to allow God to put us in a place to be blessed. And I understand there are situations that cannot be avoided. I realize that. But as much as possible, we need to be in our places. 
We need God to do something in our life. And we need something, God to do something in the lives of our young men and our young ladies. And we want God to do something here. Renew our days, Lord. It used to be we heard of services by D.L. Moody and Billy Sunday and other great revivalists where thousands gathered just to hear the Word of God proclaimed and preached. Decisions were made on behalf of God. And it seems today they say that the average size of the church today is 70. Church congregations average 70 total. Children, adults, and all put together. Boy, God, renew our days as of old. Again, put a burning desire in the heart of the believer to be in God's house and to hear the Word of God and to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Packed services and powerful preaching and singing. I've got to believe that through the years there's been a number of great sermons and great powerful messages. They say that that message centers in the hands of an angry God. One of the great sermons of all time was read. He read it from a page, a piece of paper. He read it. Well, if only preachers were a little more charismatic and dynamic, if only they had better illustrations, and if only they could hold the attention of the audience and the crowd, then there'd be more people. If only our pastor was a better preacher and a a better orator, then God would pack the church and God would fill the services. If only the preacher would get the right evangelist, the one with the most cutest stories and the, the, the coolest, uh, uh, you know, paint the coolest pictures of Christianity for us and maybe even throw a video up from time to time and make it exciting, then yes, we could pack the place out. But just preaching? Boy, he stood and read a sermon. But he had the power of God all over him. And the people of God were touched, moved, and changed. Sometimes I I wonder if we don't somehow believe that someone else needs to do something to stir us. Instead of us doing something to be stirred. preacher can look at the congregation and say, if only they would listen, if only they would respond, if only they would pray, if only they would, and the people go, if only he would do this, and if only he were a better speaker, and if only he had better illustrations, and if only he prayed more. And so everybody is looking for someone else to move them, instead of looking to our Heavenly Father to move us personally. Well, God help us. Let's prepare our hearts even for this coming week. Let's allow ourselves to spend more time praying, not so much for the pastor all the time, but for ourselves to be tender-hearted and open. And may we ensure that we are not allowing ourselves to be saturated with the world and sin before we come into the house of God next Sunday. And then wonder why we are not moved.
packed services and powerful preaching and singing and plenty of praise and worship. Boy, did I enjoy the singing this morning. I mean, that stuff's good, and we're doing our best. I know Brother Josh is trying hard and allowing, you know, putting groups together and trying to make that happen, and it's very difficult on limited resources. I'm talking about money. I'm talking about piano players and singers and things. I want to put a quality product up here. And someone says, well, we have quality product. You just need to, uh, you know, make a joyful noise. That's what you do in congregational singing. Nothing will kill a service more than someone that can't keep a tune. Honestly. It won't fill the auditorium. It'll fill the restrooms. Now listen, I, I'm not, and I'm not, trying, I'm not even really joking. I'm being as serious as I can and trying to be a little lighthearted about it. But, I mean, I've been in those situations where you're embarrassed for the person up front and you're not going, praise God. You're going, oh, I feel sorry. Oh, oh please get through this song. I just don't want them to get... Tr- I don't want them to be that embarrassed. You're almost embarrassed for them. Have you ever been there? Now listen, I'm not trying to be mean again. I'm just being honest. And again, boy, to to praise God in song is such a blessing and such a wonderful thing. That's special on the piano today for the uh, offering. Awesome. Great job, ladies. I mean, you guys did such a good job on that. I mean, just joy-filled, you know, life-filled. You know, and then the congregational singing, I'll be honest with you, for for this crowd tonight, I I thought you guys sang great tonight. It was just like, wow, I love it. I mean, you can tell there's some people that are a little happy in the Lord today. I mean, it was obvious. And I think Jeremiah is saying, Lord, renew our days of old. Where men lift up their voices in singing and praising of the Lord. And when the message is going forth, there's an amen and glory to God and praise Jesus. Where we're engaged in the services and where God is blessing and where we see His hand moving. The house of God is quickly becoming business business in most cases. I mean, it's success or failure is thought to rise or fall in a marketing strategy instead of a a fervent prayer and Holy Spirit power and the presence of God. I mean, the greatest draw is no longer the desire to worship, but so often it's entertainment. And again, there's nothing wrong with the music. There's nothing wrong with Videos, there's, there's nothing wrong with those. those that, they can be used and they're right in their place. But when we will compromise the purity and the, the holiness of this book and insert the world and its ways and allow it to stand behind the, behind the pulpit and on the stage of our churches just to get a crowd, there's a problem with that. Music and drama seem to take center stage today while God and His Word ride the pine in the back seat. Preaching still needs to be predominant. It still needs to be out front. It still needs to be the reason we go to God's house. See, preaching is what churches used to do. Worship today is performed by a team. We find the modern day church in a very sad and 
even pitiful state at times because we've become so mechanical and methodical. But in most cases, visibly miserable and misguided as well. It seems that we long for seminars and conferences instead of sermons today. That we look forward to workshops instead of the work itself. Boy, God help us to renew our days as of old. Boy, I thank God for Community Baptist Temple. If there's one person here in this church that needs fixed more than anyone else, it's me. I know that. But also know that in the pews or the seats that are before me sit a people who I personally believe do want God to do something great in their life, their marriages, their families, their church, their city, their country, and even the world. I believe that. I believe that. May we all beg God to renew our days as of old. God, help us to see your hand mighty. Help us to experience you firsthand today. Seeing people broken, humbled, and yielded. Walking aisles and being saved and the baptismal water stirred consistently and constantly. Men and women being discipled on a regular basis and growing in Christ and ultimately plugging in and serving the Lord Jesus faithfully. And then our young ladies will see what God can do. Our young men will again say, I don't have to look back. I just need to see what's going on right here. God is here. And God is real. And He is able. That's what we want. We just want to see it again. I don't think there's one thing that will motivate and move our young people to following the Lord instead of, tra- instead of chasing the world more than seeing the hand of God working and moving every day of their life. See it real in the house of God and in their homes and in the lives of their parents. When they see God working like that, I think that we're well on our way to seeing young men and young ladies that say, I can't live without him. I want and need him more than I need that world. God help us. Renew our days as of old. Renew our days as of old, Lord. Father, we come to you.